I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back for Coptown. I'd like to thank you for following me into my 40th year of living, odds be damned. And for those of you over 40, I'd love your sage-like advice. Send me an email, tanner at nosages.com, and tell me what can be expected during my fourth decade on Earth. I'd love to learn from those who have gone before me. Before we start today, two things. The first is that our upcoming workshop is about anger and rage, and you can register for it by donation only with a minimum of just $1. You can learn more by going to actualstoicism.com, and I hope to see you there. The second is a bit of a dig on Marcus, as in Marcus Aurelius. Not because of today's meditation in particular, just because I've recently seen a lot of tweets and memes and other online goings-on that make me feel like I have to say what I'm about to say, or at least make me feel compelled to say what I'm going to say. Marcus Aurelius isn't, in my opinion, a terrific resource for contemporary individuals trying to understand Stoicism fully. I didn't feel that way when I started this podcast, obviously, or perhaps I wouldn't have started with the meditations, but I've come to feel that way. It's nothing against Marcus, it's just that the more time you spend studying the primary texts, and the more time you spend really delving into what the ancient Stoics were talking and thinking about, the more Marcus looks like what he was, a practitioner who probably never deeply studied Stoicism as a life philosophy. Now, before anybody flies off the handle at that, and I might be wrong, but that's just how I feel, we know he read Epictetus, so we know he's familiar with Stoicism, more so than he just, you know, read it in, in passing and spent no time reading any text. But he never mentions being a Stoic in the entirety of his meditations. He mentions the Stoics and Stoicism in such a way that it's apparent they influenced his thinking greatly, but only a few times. And when I say a few times, I mean twice in book one and once in book five. So to say he's a student of Stoicism... I don't know that I'm particularly convinced of that, really. Now, I'm not saying he didn't consider himself a Stoic. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, and maybe I've made this comparison before, that in religion, maybe let's take Christianity as a, you know, a well-known example 
there are people who practice Christianity every day, and then there are people who are priests and monks and study the religion in a very different, I think everybody would agree, much deeper way. And if you're going to choose who to learn something from, if you really wanted to understand in this example Christianity, you wouldn't necessarily want to learn it from an everyday practitioner although there's a caveat there, and I'll get to it in a minute, you would probably want to learn it from a priest or a monk because of that deeper study that they do. And in Marcus's case, being influenced by Stoicism is one thing, as is living in accordance with what you think Stoic teachings are, but being a learned student of Stoicism, let's say a scholar of it, such that you know enough to teach it or to say that you truly understand the didactic parts of it, I don't know if Marcus was ever that. I think Marcus was influenced by a handful of Stoics and was fairly knowledgeable of the ins and outs of everyday practical Stoicism, let's say. And I take my name from the value, I think, of practical Stoicism, the name of this podcast, that is. But was he an A.A. Long? Was he a Chris Fisher? Was he a Kai Whiting? A Margaret Graver? A Julia Annis? I'm less sure about that. I think Marcus was in a position of influence and great power. He wanted to be a good person, and he felt Stoicism was the right way to be a good person. But I don't think he understood Stoicism in the same way that Epictetus did, or Musonius did, or Chrysippus did, or Zeno did. And to be honest, how could he? So when we read Marcus, and again, I didn't feel this way at the outset of this podcast, way back in January of 2022. But now I do. So when we read Marcus, I think it's important to keep this stuff in mind. He is not, or wasn't, a scholar of Stoicism. He's a practitioner of it. And so he has a practitioner's understanding of Stoicism, which means he's good to practice with. He's good to think along with. Returning to last week's letter from Seneca, he's another patient in the same hospital as you trying to cure themselves, and he's been at it for a really long time, so there's a ton of value in Marcus's experience, and by extension, what he has to say. But he's probably not the right person to formally educate you, at least not completely, right? There's differences between a fellow practitioner, even a fellow practitioner who's a bit more skilled, and a, for lack of a better term, master of Stoicism. That's not a great word, but I'm going to use it here because I think you know what I mean, a Mr. Miyagi of Stoicism, as it were. To take meditations And this is, I think, my ultimate point, as the alpha and omega of your Stoic reading would be a very foolish thing to do. And if you did, you'd be a poorly read and thereby poorly practiced Stoic. And I would actually say the same thing of Seneca. These two men, Seneca and Marcus, were practitioners, not sages, and not really in the position of being particularly knowledgeable, well-read teachers. And maybe I'm going to get lambasted for this, and if you really strongly disagree, I want you to know that I'm coming from this opinion from a really genuine place. I'm not trying to be inflammatory. This is what I really think of these two as Stoic writers and influencers. What I really want is for these ideas that I'm sharing right now to be ever present in your mind as you listen to this podcast, this episode, and, you know, any of the meditations or letters that we share. Soon, we are going to include other texts from other older 
Stoic writers and thinkers. Because for these first 18 months, you've been getting to meet Marcus and then Seneca, but soon you're going to get to meet Epictetus and Musonius, and then going further back, Chrysippus and Cleanthes, and then others still. You will discover in that time just how shallow an understanding of Stoicism one is destined to have if they stop at Marcus and Seneca. In any event, because this is supposed to be an episode about meditations, right? And I guess it's kind of been about it so far, but not in a very flattering way. I have a meditation I have to share with you. It's the third meditation from book five. And just a reminder, you all wanted this extra commentary. So if you're really mad at me right now, remember, you asked for this, you asked for my takes. So there's a take for you. Anyway, here's the third meditation from book five. Make up your mind that you deserve every word and work that is according to nature, and do not allow the ensuing blame or speech of any men to talk you over. But if it is right to be done or said, do not count yourself undeserving of it. Those others have their own selves to govern them, and use their several inclinations. Don't look round at that, but walk the straight way, following your own and the common nature for the path of them both is one. This is a terrific meditation for Marcus. It's really enjoyable and really practical. Make up your mind that you deserve every word and work that is according to nature. In other words, decide that you deserve what is good, the good life, that is to say, the virtuous life, a character of virtue. A life that leads to that is the life that you deserve. And do not allow the ensuing blame or speech of any man to talk you over. Don't, when you decide to live the good life, allow all those who have not decided that they deserve the good life, or who have actively decided they do not, or that the good life isn't even valuable, those who think virtue is silly, that life is all about this or that pleasure instead, or fleeting things, or worse, without purpose at all, don't let these individuals, once you've made your decision, convince you you've made a bad decision. Don't be swayed unless those seeking to sway you offer something better than a virtuous character. But how could they? And we've talked about that in a previous meditation. If you find something better, by all means, go after it. But what could be better? But if it is right to be done or said, do not count yourself undeserving of it. If it is right to stand up for someone, stand up for them. Don't you deserve to be the kind of person who stands up for people, no matter the consequences? Don't you deserve that sort of character? If it is right to act, then act. Do you not deserve to be a man or woman who acts when it is appropriate, in ways which are appropriate, regardless of what others think or do to you for acting the way that you have, the right way? Don't you deserve to be a person who does what is right and approaching virtue no matter what? Well, then do it. Those others have their selves to govern them and use their several inclinations. Those people telling you what to do or not to do or say, they have their own decisions to make and they can mind their business in doing so. And they already have a way of approaching their responsibilities and duties and their way, if it's not your way, why would you be swayed by them? Unless, of course, it is a better way. But again, how could it be? How could it be better than a virtuous character? How could another way that did not lead to a virtuous character be a better way? Don't look around at that, but walk the straight way, following your own 
and the common nature, for the path of them both is one. Don't turn your head from your focus. Metaphorically, keep your eye on the prize, what your goals are, what you deserve, a good character, a virtuous character. This doesn't mean focus only on yourself, which is a mistake a lot of fledgling Stoics make. Instead, it means when you see something happening over there, ask yourself, what would the sage do? What would engaging with this person over here say about my character? Something good or something bad? Something virtuous or something vicious? A homeless man, for example, has asked you for change. What does it say about your character if you do not give him any change? There is no definite answer. It absolutely depends, but you have to think about it. You have to consider and reason, because certainly the sage would consider and reason what was appropriate in response to being asked for change by a homeless person. And certainly, sometimes it speaks well of our character not to give. But then again, certainly sometimes it speaks positively. Your job as a Prokoptan is to reason which time is the right time and which is the wrong. So you're looking forward towards sagehood. You're focused on virtue. But being focused on virtue requires a 360-degree view of the world. And not just that, but an in-depth view as well. You don't just see the guy suffering behind you. You dive into what actions are appropriate concerning him and your involvement in helping him, and then you reason towards an action or a response. Virtue-centric, 360 degrees, and deep. I suppose that kind of does sum up Stoicism, if not in a strange way. Thank you, as always, for listening today. I appreciate you being here, and I wish you a fantastic rest of your day. Until next time, take care. Thank you.